Kids, if you're in the room, uh, you are dismissed to go to Children's Church. Um, I've, I've never uh, asked this or done this before uh, in preaching and coming up here, but I'm going to do it today because I feel led to do so. Um, I don't know if you've been following what's going on in Afghanistan lately, uh, the collapse, the near collapse of the country. Um, based on administrative decisions that have taken place has led to the point that the Taliban is about to take over the capital, the country is about to be overrun, uh, the Biden administration has sent in um, several more thousand troops uh, so they can evacuate the embassy and get other Americans out of there, um, and it looks like they're going to they're gonna run the country again, which is an atrocity for the country itself. Um, so before we get started, or as we get started in, uh, in prayer, both for ourselves as we worship, I also want all of us to pray for Afghanistan and for specifically the soldiers uh, on the ground there that are getting Americans out, uh, that they will do it safely because they did it on a moment's notice. So I'm going to ask you to pray for them as we pray to start off the service this morning. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, we want to lift up um, the country of Afghanistan as lost um, as it is and as um, evil is spreading throughout the country um, and is uh, under near collapse with uh, the current president fleeing the country, probably as we speak, uh, as the Americans that are left are trying to evacuate and soldiers are coming in to get, provide security uh, during that exfil. Father, we want to lift them up to you, lift up their families as many of them uh, got uh, moments notice to deploy overseas uh, to take care of that situation. Fathers, we just, we ask for peace in that country. I don't know that that country is ever going to have peace, but we ask for it regardless, that your grace and your mercy will be spread on the people of Afghanistan, on the people who have helped uh, troops over there for the last 20 years uh, who are fleeing for their lives at the moment. Um, pray for the soldiers on the ground as they provide security to get everyone out and destroy sensitive equipment. Um, Father, I just pray that you'll move in there. I don't know what your plan is for Afghanistan, for the people there, for the future of that country. But Father, we want to lift them up to you. Lift up the soldiers and the Americans and their families who are back home, uh, that they will remain strong and rely on your strength uh, during this process. Uh, Father, we thank you this morning that we're able to come together to worship, uh, that we're able to come together to freely sing praises to you uh, in America. Uh, we thank you for your grace and mercy that you've given to us to have that ability to do that, uh, that we can uh, read the Word freely, that we can sing freely, we can gather freely as your people. Uh, and Father, I just pray that uh, as we dive into the church this morning, as we understand more of what that looks like, that you will just move in and through us, that you will stir our affections for you, uh, that you will stir our affections for the church and have a deeper appreciation uh, just for the life of the church and for what that looks like and for our role in it. Um, and Father, we pray that you'll be glorified in all things. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I didn't plan on doing that, but I just kept wrestling uh, all morning for it, so um, keep praying for them. Uh, so we're in the Apostles' Creed. If you've been with us uh, throughout the summer, we've been preaching through the Apostles' Creed. We're kind of getting near towards uh, getting near to the end. Uh, one thing we've been doing, though, every week is reading the Apostles' Creed. Can you turn me down just a little bit? I, I feel like I'm really loud. I feel like I'm screaming at you. Um, one thing we do every week, though, uh, as we've been preaching through the Apostles' Creed, is to read it together as a congregation. Uh, so we're going to do that now. It should be on the screen. I'm going to step over kind of to the side. If you would, just uh, say it, kind of say it together uh, here. So it says, 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Amen. So this morning, uh, we're down, uh, getting down towards the bottom. We have the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Uh, so when I got this assignment, I got really excited. I'm very passionate about um, the, the doctrine of the church and all the different things involved there. And then as I started to write the sermon, I was like, wow, there's so much that could be said. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Uh, so I was uh, chasing rabbits all week and then trying to stop doing that to prepare for this. So um, I'm excited this morning, but with that being said, th- it is a broad topic, right? The, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, there's a lot that could be said uh, in terms of thinking through what the creed is getting at there, uh, but my hope this morning, the goal, what I hope that all of us will leave here with is just a deeper appreciation for the church, for, for what you know, Christ established His church, we are His church, we are the body who gathers together. I hope that we leave with a deeper appreciation for the church and a deeper appreciation and love uh, for the people of the church and the communion of saints, the things that we do together as the people of God regularly throughout the week. I hope that we leave with that appreciation uh, as we uh, just continue to move forward. Because in the Christian life, as we all seek to be faithful to the Lord uh, in in our lives, uh, both in work and in play and in family and various other things, the church is crucial. There there is really no... um, kind of avenue for living the Christian life and yet being separated from the church throughout the, your entire life. That's, there's just no category for that in Scripture. Now, there may be seasons or maybe some, you know, some wrestling and different things going on. That's one thing, but long-term, that just that doesn't exist. Um, and so, as we, as we get into this, one, I just want to make kind of a note uh, here. Um, I, I don't want to come across... Uh, during this sermon as legalistic, as in you need to do these things and check these boxes, then you're going to be a good Christian and all is going to be well. I don't want to come across that way. I am going to have some points of we should be doing these things. That is going to come up, Uh, but that is a natural part. Like there are things we should be doing as believers. The difference in those two things of being legalistic and feeling like you got to just do a list versus doing those same things uh, in a different way, is the heart behind it. The, if, if you're just trying to check off a box, your goal and your heart there isn't in it. It's just, I did what I was supposed to do, now I can go do something else. Versus, I'm going to do these things because I love the Lord, and I'm seeking to be faithful in it, and I desire to do X, Y, Z. And so I'm just going to make that note from the beginning. I'm not trying to sound, or hope to not sound, legalistic, but it comes down to the heart behind it. Do you love God's people? Do you love the Lord? And are you seeking to be faithful uh, to Him in various ways that we're going to talk about uh, this morning? And so in, in thinking about the Holy Catholic Church, so one quick note. Uh, I, know we've, I think we've said this in the past already, but that is little c uh, Catholic. It's not big C Catholic. Uh, the difference there is little c Catholic, which is what the Creed says, it just means like universal, like the universal body of Christ, the universal church. Uh, big C Catholic is like the Roman Catholic Church, which is different than what we're talking about today. 
Uh, just a quick note there. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 16. Uh, we're going to be um, reading from Matthew 16 here in a moment. If you would turn there. As Doc once said, we're going back to the future. In other words, if you've seen Back to the Future by the same name, it's, uh, we're going backwards to the establishment of the church. So good movies if you've never seen them, but Back to the Future, Back to the Beginning. Uh, when the church was established. So Matthew 16, it's kind of in the middle of the book, uh, essentially. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. It says this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged, excuse me, and then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And so, in this chapter, uh, in this uh, particular passage, there's a, essentially a paradigm shift happening in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we're picking up kind of in the middle of the book there, um, but we see this shift. We see, we're starting to see the establishment of the church, and we see Peter answer the question. They finally get it right. The disciples finally understand, one of them at least, in this case, Peter, understands that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a big deal in that book. And it says, on this rock, I will build my church. The, the rock being the confession or profession of faith in Christ is what is the rock, is what's being built on there. It's, it is that profession of faith in Christ. And so as we think about the church and as we start to gather together, and we don't have time to go to Matthew 18, but if you want to write that down, uh, Matthew 18 has the church discipline chapter as it's kind of known, but in that chapter though, we see even more so this development of the church, of the church coming together and being formed by that, on that uh, profession of faith. All of us in here together who are believers, all of us that are members of the branch, have made a covenant together. We have all professed faith in Christ. We have been baptized uh, by the church. We, have, we are held together by that profession of faith, the profession of faith that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Now, when Peter did this, Jesus makes clear here that it wasn't, Peter didn't just have this genius brain. He just figured it out. He uncovered the mystery on his own will or power, but it's the Father in heaven revealed that to him and made it known. So it wasn't anything that he did on his own volition or own just natural abilities, but it was the Lord who granted uh, that grace and understanding for him, which is the same for us. And as the church, we come together with that profession of faith because To be a believer, you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you must repent of your sins. You have to do that first to want to to become a member of the family of God, of the people of God, and then you are then, uh, you you join a local church, you join the local body together, but that profession of faith must happen, and it must happen as well when you join a church. 
But, and to, to kind of build upon that, as we'll see the rest of Matthew there, that Christ lived the perfect sinless life that we couldn't live. He came, He died willingly to atone for the sins, for our sins, and He, wrote, he was resurrected on the third day in glory. And for all who profess faith in Christ and His sacrifice and resurrection and repent of their sins are saved. That is what all of us as believers in the room have done in the past, and that is what we do as the church, that's what holds us together. Now, in this passage where it talks about the keys to the kingdom, I don't have a ton of time to unpack that um, and binding and loosing and things like that. It's towards the end of that portion that we just read. It's really getting at the fact that the church, the disciples, Jesus is speaking not only to Peter, but also the disciples. That's the, that's the important part of this, is the context of what Jesus is saying. He's recognizing Peter in this case, but he's also speaking to the disciples. It's not only Peter. That's the Catholic view of this verse, but that's, I believe, incorrect. So, uh, it is the disciples that he's speaking to. The keys of the kingdom, in other words, who's coming into the church and who's going out of the church, who, who, we, who the church together collectively uh, identifies, who has a profession of faith in the Lord, um, is coming out here. And I bring this up mostly because uh, Matthew 28. So if you would turn a few more chapters to Matthew 28. Um, again, I bring that up primarily because of the context, the context of Jesus speaking not only to Peter, but also the disciples, which is the church being established. And that is important because as we turn to Matthew 28 and we get the final marching orders uh, that Jesus gave us, he too, as we read this, is giving it to the disciples. He's giving it to the church to go and do this. He's not giving the Great Commission uh, to individuals. But, so let's read it and think about this. So Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples, baptize, teach in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I have commanded you. It's to the church. It's not to individuals standing there. It is to the church collectively. And we need to see that from starting in Matthew 16, 18, which we didn't have time to read, and then now in Matthew 28, having that understanding of what's taking place. The church collectively is key. We're not a bunch of individuals doing our own thing until the Lord comes or we die. It's the church moving together collectively, the communion of saints, both the universal church, the Catholic church, and then the local church together, all working to do what the Lord has said, go make disciples. And so as we continue to think through this, I want us to, I'm going to walk, kind of walk us through the rest of the New Testament in terms of the church. So here in Matthew 28, we see go make disciples, baptize, teach. In other words, share the reason for the hope that you have. In Acts 1, we see a similar um, you know, statement from Jesus, and then he ascends into heaven. And so after that, it's like, okay, now what? In Acts chapter 2, we have Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down and descends on all the believers, and uh, the church is multiplied greatly uh, in Acts chapter 2. But, but remember, Matthew 28 and Acts 1 both say go to the nations, right? It's like go to all peoples uh, professing this. Um, but it takes, it takes seven chapters in Acts for the church to leave Jerusalem. There's only 28 chapters in the book. It took seven chapters. Jesus said go. <laughs> seven chapters later, they're still there. 
Um, so it took seven chapters. What in the world finally pushed them over the edge to actually go out of Jerusalem and go to the rest of the way? Planting churches, which is what we see in Acts, is the planting of churches. Uh, Paul and Peter specifically, uh, journeys doing that. The catalyst that propelled the church out of Jerusalem after seven chapters of Acts is the stoning of Stephen, which we get a pretty robust account of that. Uh, so Stephen was martyred, stoned to death, killed. Persecution came, and then guess what? The church was like, oh, hey, we need to do something. Let's go. Uh, and they uh, got moving. And so if you read the rest of Acts, as we kind of wrap this portion up, through the rest of Acts 28, you see all the Paul and Peter's missionary journeys planting churches in the Mediterranean area. And the church continues to grow. That was 2,000 years ago or so, and here we are. We're going to get into church history in a moment, so just bear with me um, there. But I, I bring all that up because you have the universal church and you have the local church. Both are connected. We're going to talk about both. Um, so as we think through this, what, what is a local church? We have the branch. We're here, right? But uh, what, what is it? I would say the local church is a gathered people committed to the gospel and to each other, bound together by the confession of faith in Christ. A gathered people, God's people gathered together, um, all committed to the gospel, profession, have a profession of faith in Christ, and they're all committed to the gospel and to each other as a church. That is, that is what we seek to do as the branch, specifically the members of the branch, because all of us have done that. We have committed to each other. We have signed a covenant. We have um, committed both to the gospel and to each other to hold each other accountable to what Scripture says uh, for the remainder of our time here until Christ returns or we go on ourselves to be with the Lord. And so, in unpacking this, the word uh, in Greek is ecclesia, uh, primarily is what's translated now church. Uh, it means a gathered people. A gathered people is the way that you would translate that word. And so it's not a place. I think all of us at the branch kind of understand that because we set up in a gym every week, so we don't have a building. There's no sign out front saying the branch that's there all week, right? Uh, so I think, I think for us, our congregation understands that. It is a people. The church is a people, not a place. Uh, but, it, but in translating that, it's a gathered people, which is really important for us to understand, and that leads us into church membership, which I've mentioned a couple different times. Church membership is a really great thing. It really is. Being able to just, one, just commit, commit to the other believers in the church, to be faithful to the Lord and what He's called you to do as a believer, to commit to a local church. And three, I just, th there's some level of comfort to know that the believers in the room, specifically the members, are going to watch out for me as I continue to live my life trying to be faithful to the Lord. That if I start to do some crazy things or, you know, kind of lose my way, that somebody in here, and my, probably my family group, is going to see it and be like, hey, Dylan, like, let's, let's, let's talk. Are you okay? Like, what's going on? Um, and then be able to have some correction there. Not that I won't, you know, none of us want that correction in a way, right? But we do. We, we don't want to lose our way. And, and that's where the church, that's a big part of what the church comes in. When we preached through Hebrews um, 3 last, uh, last fall, I guess it was, we saw the importance of the church in perseverance. In us persevering to the end, God has ordained that the church be a means of grace for us to finish well. We will, if you are a believer, you will finish well. But one of the means of grace that God has given us is the church to finish well. 
And so by golly, I'm going to commit to a church, to a church. I'm going to be a member. I'm going to join, no matter if I move one day or whatever the case, or if you move one day, find a local church, commit to it, be a member. There is a a real sense of comfort in that. And that we also do our part in helping others persevere, helping others through hard times, helping others through the joys of, uh, of life and the good things that happen. There is a real sense of joy in that, and it is very important, and personally, I believe that's what Scripture says, regardless, that we, excuse me, we should do that. Um, I would also argue there's no real biblical basis, once again, that for a believer to just halfway be in and out of a church for their, for their whole life and just never really care. Christ literally said that the world is going to know who His people are by the love that they have for one another, one another being the other members of the church, the body of Christ. So if that doesn't exist in you and hasn't and you don't seem to care that much and it's not really that important, you probably should take a moment, take a step back, take a knee, drink water, pray and ask for some, some clarity on where you stand before the Lord because that is, that is important. That's pretty clear in Scripture there that there should be a love for the people of God. Now, that's not always easy. We're, not all, we're all sinners, right? Like, there can be, there's challenges there, for sure. But we work through those things, and we push through because it's worth it. Um, yeah, so if you're, if you're a believer here, and you've been coming for a long time, and you, know, you haven't committed to membership, you're not really committed to a family group, you're just you're kind of here, you're kind of not here, you, you need to join a church. If it's not here, there's other churches that are faithful in the area that you can go to. You can join there and be faithful to the Lord there. That is, if that's what's best for your well-being, praise God. Otherwise, we would love to help you get integrated here at the branch, but that is extremely important. Now, as we, as we kind of transition here, we talked a lot about the local church and the importance of church membership and uh, the life of the church we'll get to in a moment. Uh, the universal church, we're going to zoom out briefly here. First uh, Peter 2, 9 through 10 Uh, says, and I think it's going to be on the screen behind me, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now what we see here is Peter making clear that God is calling a people to Himself. He has been calling over really the entirety of the world, but has been calling a people to Himself and still is calling people to Himself and will continue to do that for the remainder of the earth here on this time. You are God's people. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And I think, at least for me, that's the easiest way to think through what is the universal church, right? It's the body of Christ. It's the people of God collectively together. So that we have the local, the local body here gathered together uh, weekly, um, and then we have other bodies uh, of believers gathered right now as well. Um, but collectively, we are all God's people. We are all in the family of God collectively, I and mean, thinking through the universal church. And so as we transition to, we thought about the church, what that looks like. Now we transition to the communion of saints. The, in other words, the life of the church. What is the church doing? What do we do together and things like that. And so in church history, uh, before we get there, all right, 
I want everybody in here to think, for all the believers, how did you come to faith in Christ? If you, anybody wants to say anything out loud, you can. If not, I'll keep going. How did you come to faith in Christ? Just short. Simple. Simplified. What? Parents? Perfect. What do the parents do? Yes. So somebody told you the gospel, right? They probably displayed it in the home uh, and also shared with the lips um, the gospel and what, who the Lord is. Perfect. Thank you. Um, all of us have that. If we're believers, every believer in this room has that same story. We all have unique situations of how God orchestrated everything and how everything worked out. But regardless, someone told us the gospel if you're a believer. You have heard it, you've repented, you've, you've accepted it, you believe it. That's something that every one of us have, has in common. And for the entirety of church history, for 2,000 years, that has been the case. For 2,000 years, that is how the church has continued to exist because people continually were faithful in sharing the gospel and preserving the scriptures and teaching the scriptures and teaching their children uh, in the home what the Lord has said and done. And so that is a big portion for us. What I, made, what I talked about earlier in Matthew 28 in terms of making disciples and that being for the church, that is what we are seeking to do as the church is to make disciples and part of that is being able to share the gospel. It doesn't have to be this elegant, long thing, but being able to share the reason that the, for the hope that we have in the Lord. Just being able to share that. Both, yes, individually at work and different things, but also collectively together as the church is extremely important um, in terms of what we do as believers. Both holding each other accountable to the gospel and then also sharing elsewhere. Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So great a cloud of witnesses. If y'all were with us in Hebrews, we finished Hebrews 11 before we started the Apostles' Creed, and this is the very next two verses after that. Hebrews 11 is the, uh, the fairly long chapter of um, basically the Hall of Faith, is what a lot of us call it, um, in terms of the Old, the Old Testament saints and their faithfulness, being recognized uh, in, in Scripture and, and just being, you know, their faithfulness being pointed out in the Word. And then the very next chapter here, the next verse, therefore, all that they have done, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. It's not just us, right? Again, thinking about the church, we're not isolated. We're not the first church to ever come up and try to figure out how to do a Sunday or how to live uh, in communion together as the body of believers or the first ones to understand any of the doctrines of grace, whatever the case may be. We're not the first ones. We're, we're in a long line of, of churches and believers uh, here, and we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And so, if anything, we take away the corporate aspect of the church and us working together as a body of Christ, seeking to be faithful to the Lord. It's, it's, it's key. Seeking to be faithful and making disciples, seeking to be faithful and pursuing holiness and godliness in our lives and our walk, and guarding the gospel, preserving the gospel for the next generation, sharing the gospel with those around us, sharing the gospel with our kids, and preserving it together as the church. 
the, the language in Hebrews there is, is running a race. How many of ever, who, who's ran a race before somewhere? Raise your hand. Okay, so a good, a good amount of us have ran some kind of race. Pretty fun, right? It's really enjoyable running, running however far. Uh, personally, I'm not a good sprinter, so I like to run a little longer stuff. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, so the, the imagery here, though, is running a race, right? It's a, it is a run of endurance. It's not a sprint. The, uh, the life that we are living, the, the run that we are working towards here is, is a run of endurance. We're looking long-term throughout the longevity of our lives, and we're doing it together. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, but we're also in it together, those of us that are here, working together as the body of Christ to be faithful to the Lord. And the, again, the church is key in doing that. And so in terms of the life of the church, the communion of saints, it is important for us to gather together, to be committed to gathering together regularly, to be committed to reading the Word together, to preaching, to singing, to sharing a meal together, catching up, how's your week going, how th- praying for each other, all these different things that go on in the life of the church is key. And as we think through that, again, the corporate nature of things, we live in a time that's probably the most individualistic society that's ever existed. I don't think anybody would argue against that. Um, our society as a whole is super individualistic. It's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about what I want to do. <clears throat> now, as believers, we seek to fight against that, right? But we also have to be aware that that is the context that we live in, right? If, as prevalent as it is, all of us have been touched and affected by that to some degree. I mean, it's just we all need to recognize that that has touched us in some form or fashion, and so we need to really press in to that idea, that the context that we live, the church, that, you know, the time that we live in as the church is important. Um, and, and so in thinking of the life of the church, the communion of saints, and in thinking through that question, you know, wh- what are you contributing to the communion of saints? What are you doing in the life of the church together and that commitment to each other and to the Lord and working towards um, all the different things that we could cover, all the different things we talk about in Hebrews, pursuing, pursuing holiness, guarding the gospel, sharing the gospel, spiritual disciplines, growing in the, growing in the Word. You can go the whole list of things that, that we do as believers. What, what are all of us individually doing together working, working towards that as a church and contributing in some way? Because we are, we are called to do that. We are called to be committed to the church, to the life of the church in various ways. God has gifted everyone in this room with, with natural abilities and talents and desires and passions and things you, you care about. You can, use all, you can use those things to benefit both the church and the community around you in being faithful to the Lord. And so finding your area, whatever it may be, to serve faithfully in that um, is key because God has gifted every one of us in some way uh, that we can all, we all bring something to the table. We all bring something to the family of God in this way. So, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let that be. I just want to say there's a great number of you that are wonderful. The members are, are great. Like, I literally teared up last night thinking about it, and I'm fighting it right now. Um, yeah, you just, so many of you love, love everyone so well and are, are just, are great. So I don't want to, you know, some people need the hammer dropped on them and others you need to be praised, right? So you, you need to continue to keep going. And so I want to lift you up. The, in transitioning and thinking through 
I'll connect these two. And thinking through the application and thinking through, okay, what does this look like? What does the life of the church look like? What does the communion of saints look like? How can I get more involved? Things like that. One is to join a family group. We're going to bring the family group leaders up here in a little bit after the announcement so you can see everybody and kind of get to know people. Um, join a family group. The, the family groups are just amazing, right? The, there's people in, in our group, in my group specifically. I'm going to talk about my group because that's my experience. Um, Hannah, Perry, and Leah, I'm going to call you out. The three of them, if you don't know them, you should get to know them. They're great. Um, th- they came their, like, first week of school, a freshman year, to our, fa- our it was a missional community then, but our family group. Three years later, they're still with us. So, praise God. Uh, they're going into their senior year now. So, three straight years of, of college, uh, and now going into their fourth and final one. It's just been great. Like, just seeing their growth and development, being a part of that, them hopefully seeing my own, uh, hopefully, uh, in that as well. Um, and, you know, it took Macy and I, it took, we tried to have, we have a baby now, praise God, six weeks old. But it took us about 10 months for her to get pregnant. Um, so that took longer than, you know, what we had hoped for. But God is good and He provided. Um, but during that time, it was, it was hard, it was challenging trying to wrestle through that, not knowing. We've never had a baby before, never tried to have one before in that way, so it was, it was hard. But our family group rallied around us, prayed for us, loved on us, cared for us, walked through that with us, and then, praise God, we got child pregnant. And then they walked through that with us, which was great. And then now, you know, Ruth's here, asleep on my wife, passed out, being a good baby. And we're about to kick family groups back off because we took a break in the summer. And now Ruth is with us. Like, the people that have been with us the whole time or maybe joined in in the middle there has been able to walk through the challenging season of trying to get pregnant and walking through the, you know, the excitement and, and kind of scariness of getting, of getting pregnant finally. And then also now the trying to figure out how to be parents. So, um, just, but just, just get a snippet of how well they have loved us through all of that time, through the last three years all of it together, just I can't, I can't really put it into words any better than I just did, however, however that came across. But regardless, join a family group. They're great. I love them. I love my family group. Can't wait to meet again. Y'all are wonderful. So keep it up. Uh, so point number one, join a family group. Uh, number two, commit to coming to Sunday gatherings. Commit to be here. Commit to gather. The church is a, the local church is a gathered body of believers committed to each other and committed to the gospel. Commit to each other through membership. Commit to the gospel. Commit to be here. Hebrews 10 says, don't neglect to gather together. We do our best to make sure that we gather together. Um, Commit to coming on Sunday. Third, again, become a member. We talked about that. I won't I won't say a whole lot more. If, if you have questions, I meant to say this earlier. If you have questions, if you're new, if you're still trying to understand, um, you know, is this the right place for you? Is this the right church? Things like that. That's totally okay. Take your time. Not a problem, you know. Soak it in. Decide if this is where you want to be. Um, but just know at some point, you do need to make a decision. Like at some point, you do need to decide uh, somewhere down the road. But take, take the time that you need. Um, become a member. And if you have questions, if you don't know about membership, I would love to talk to you. I'll take you for coffee or lunch or Chick-fil-A or whatever. So I love Chick-fil-A. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, also, the Book Nook. None of y'all have been buying the Book Nook books, so guess what? They're going on sale. Um, 
One of them is, is so it's the church uh, question series, very short, so if you're not a reader, it's okay. This is the length of a couple of news articles. I'm sure everybody reads something, even if it's on Instagram. Uh, so this one is, why should I join a church? Probably, I think it's like 30 pages of this like teeny little book. There's some over there. They think there's only three out, but we have more in the box. So come yell at me and I'll get more out. Um, so get one of these. They're free. Go on on sale for free. Um, giving out stuff. So go get one. Uh, not right now, but after the other, get one. Uh, and I would love to talk to you about it as well. Um, I know Gabe would talk to you about membership. Next, number four, I'm almost done. Family reunion. So we have three family reunions planned um, for this uh, fall. We have four more in the spring. Um, teaching on building a Christian worldview, fine-tuning Christian worldview. That's the theme topic for the year. Um, come to family reunion. Those are great. You get all the family groups together. You have a meal together. You spend time together. And then you have some teaching. That's great. We'll have child care this year, too. Um, number five, volunteer. Find, find your place to volunteer. Volunteering is, one, it serves the church. Two, it also connects you to the church, to the life of the church. You get to meet more people. You get to know them better. It's great. Again, everybody has natural abilities and talents and desires. Find somewhere that you, um, you know, that you feel passionate about. And again, I would love to help you get connected there. And on that note with volunteering, I think Gabe's going to cover it in announcements. We have move in on Friday. Come to move in if you're available. Move in the college students on Friday. There's, I sent out an email if you got that. But Gabe will cover that in announcements. Number six, there's a college Bible study launching uh, September 1st. So if you're in college and you want to do that, excuse me, uh, join the college Bible study and get connected with other um, college students as well as the leaders for that group. And so as we close, I, again, my, my hope is to, that we will grow in knowledge of the importance of being involved in a local church and being committed, and that we will grow in our appreciation and our love for the church and for the life of the church. It's not always pretty. It's not perfect. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's perfect. I hope you understand that. We're, we're all sinners. Um, but we're, we're seeking to do our best to be faithful in it, uh, in that goal. So let us be a strong family of God to make disciples, to guard the gospel, to share with those around us, and continue, continue for our portion of church history that some old person will write about one day. So not that that's what it's for. We're doing it to be faithful to the Lord. But uh, regardless, we're going to take communion. So going into the time of communion, I mean, this is a, a very visual example of the life of the church, that we are taking one of the ordinances together, um, you know, as believers, as baptized believers specifically, that this is a sweet time for us to reflect on what Christ has done for us, the, the profession of faith in Christ that, that we have all made as believers, that we made when we were baptized. Um, it's just so important. It's a time for us to reflect on that, uh, to repent of any sin, um, and to just come together as a body to, to take the supper, to, to come together again as a life of the church to do that. So if you're a baptized believer, we, you know, we, we're going to end time of communion. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this time we're able to come together and worship freely. Uh, that we were able to read your word. That we were able to sing, lift up your praises, and that we're able to go into a time of communion. Um, Father, thank you for this time that we're able to do this again together as the church. That we're able to come together to break bread and to take a drink of the cup and to reflect on what Christ did for us on the cross and for his resurrection and for all that you continue to do for us as believers and as the church. 
Help us, Lord, to start our affections for you, desire to be faithful to you in all that we do, desire to honor you, glorify you in all that we do. Help us, Lord, to grow in our affection for the church and for God's people as well, especially if we're having a hard time with that, if we're wrestling with through that, trying to understand some of those feelings and thoughts. Uh, just help us grow in it, help us repent of sin, uh, where it may be present. And Father, we just, again, just ask that you'll be glorified and that we'll be faithful to you, that we will run the race well together as the church, that we will encourage each other well, love on each other well. And that again, we'll be faithful. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for your grace. Cross time we pray. Amen.